Well, good morning, everybody, and happy new year from myself and uh, from others at Kenton Evangelical Church, where I worship normally, um, just uh, down the road. Good to be back with you. I can't remember exactly when I was last here, but uh, here we are again. Um, just want to start with a question. Um, how many children today do you think, what percentage actually have contact with church? Any guesses? Five? Anything else? Ten? It's like an auctioneer, isn't it? We're bidding. Are we talking international worldwide? No, no, this country here in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Three percent. Well, actually, it is five percent, yes. Five percent of children, well done, thank you, have some contact with church. However, that means, of course, that 95 percent don't. So what are we going to do about it? Jesus said, go and tell the gospel to everybody. Churches don't have the opportunity to reach out and do that on their own, do they? But in Regen, working together across churches, we actually have more of a chance of reaching that 95%. So the first thing I want to say this morning to you is thank you for your partnership in that. Um, so towards the end, in the last quarter of last year, we were running a bit of a deficit. We prayed, we talked about it, we talked to God about it, of course, and by the end of the year, and with generosity from this church as well, I think we had about, I can't remember whether we were 30 quid out or 30 quid in, but 30 quid over a budget of about 40,000 is, is neither here, is neither here nor there. So I just want to say thank you, first of all, for your partnership. And just to tell you uh, about one or two things that we're going to be doing this year that you could just hold in your minds and perhaps um, pray for. And the first thing is that towards the end of February, we're going to um, put on an evening about how to protect our children from knife crime. And we're going to do that um, over at Christchurch Roxeth, that's on Roxeth Hill, as you go down into South Harrow. And we'll be sending around information about that. We've got a speaker from the Christian Police Association who's going to do it. So if that's something that interests you, that's on your heart and your mind as a parent or a grandparent or just someone who wants to know a bit more about it, um, do try uh, and remember that. Part of our vision, not a New Year's resolution, part of our vision for 2020 is that instead of having one and a half workers, we will have enough resources to employ two people. Why? Because we want to do more this year to reach out to those 95% who have no contact um, with church. And that's really on our hearts. So before Christmas, for example, we were able to go into 16 schools and do road shows and to share the Christmas story in a contemporary way through the title, The Three Unwise Men, and to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, tell those 95% about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then another thing that we want to do later on in the year, probably I think in September, around about the beginning of the school year somewhere, is to have something called a Regen Sunday. And what does that mean? That means actually that perhaps in every church across Harrow, we would like people to be praying for children, for Christian teachers, for TAs in schools, for governors, uh, for ancillary staff, for anybody who's working, anyone who's a Christian who's working in a school uh, in Harrow. So I think it would be great if you could join us 
on that um, Regen Sunday. And then just lastly, um, we've got an evening of information and prayer coming up on Tuesday, the 21st um, of this month. That's Tuesday, the 21st of this month. And that's going to be held at Trinity Church in Hines Road um, in Harrow. We try and go around different churches. So this one will be at Trinity. And you'll be able to hear more about um, the things I've mentioned just now and obviously some other things. There are some of you here, I think, who have already signed up to get our newsletter. If you would like to get our newsletter that comes out twice a term and it comes via email, then please see me afterwards and simply it's just a matter of a uh, name and an email address. That's all we need. Um, so I'll have this sheet uh, afterwards for you to uh, have a look at perhaps. So uh, again, thank you for your partnership. It is so hugely appreciated. Thing that was um, pertinent to a new year. And so you'll see the text that we have in front of us comes from um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, says the writer, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the protector of our faith. Now, I like looking at landscape paintings. And I don't know about you, but I've got one or two um, hanging in my house of country scenes. But could I paint them myself? And the answer, very honest with you this morning, no way can I do that. I cannot paint a topic. But perhaps like the writer to the Hebrews, I'm a little better with word pictures rather than putting paint onto canvas. Now here, in the first verses of Hebrews chapter 12, the writer is painting a word picture for us of Olympic Games in the first century Roman Empire. So what do you see? Well, there's a running track within a tiered arena holding thousands and thousands of people standing up and cheering the runners on. Now this is not like a school running track, is it? Uh, where you just have some grass and around the edges uh, people run. No, and we don't have many of those anyway now because they've both been mostly sold off by schools for financial reasons. But it is the real thing, and the nearest thing that we will see perhaps today are if we go and see some Roman, Roman ruins somewhere in Mediterranean Europe. We might be on holiday, or we might actually be watching something on TV like an epic film, which is filmed in a big amphitheater like this, uh, but obviously without any 21st century technology. The material used in the buildings may have changed, but the basic concept of running and being surrounded by a great cloud of onlookers actually hasn't. So here in this picture, I want you to imagine in our minds thousands and thousands of people cheering the runners on. And I want to ask you, are you with me in that crowd? We're in that crowd all together, as we'll see in a minute. But what is this cloud of witnesses, then, that surrounds us? Well, this autumn and so far this winter, um, we've been no stranger to clouds, have we? Because we've had one of the rainiest seasons that I remember for 
a long time. It's been wetter than usual. It was actually quite amusing back in October. I got something from Affinity Water that told me that there was going to be a hosepipe ban next spring. Can you imagine that? And since then, well, I don't need to tell you what happened since then. It's never stopped raining, has it? No. The cloud of witnesses here is something different. But in the summer, we might be walking in the countryside. We might walk through clouds of midges, and we may feel that we're being eaten alive. No, here, the cloud of witnesses refers back to chapter 11, where the writer gives a whole list of famous and perhaps not so famous people, but all people who are heroes of the faith. And there are 14 of them who are specifically named in chapter 11, and innumerable ones who aren't. But the question is this. How can this cloud of witnesses that the writer talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, how can these cloud of dead witnesses from Bible history be cheering on the Hebrew Christians in chapter 12? Well, I think that we're asking the wrong questions, aren't we? Because, you see, although these witnesses are long since dead to this world, they are actually very much alive in God's presence, where they're cheering on the Hebrew Christians that we are looking at here uh, in chapter 12. Why? Because their lives are hid, like yours and like mine, with Christ in God. They may, you see, be dead to us, but from God's perspective... From God's perspective, they are more alive in Jesus than they ever have been. I just want to say that again, because I just want that to really sink in. They may be dead to us, but from God's perspective, they are more alive in Jesus than they ever have been. And their spiritual energy is focused on cheering on the Hebrew Christians we read about who have come after them. Now, the evangelist, D.L. Moody, tried to explain it like this. One day he said, you will hear or you will read that D.L. Moody has died. Do not believe a word of it. In that day, D.L. Moody will be more alive than he has ever been before. The crowd of witnesses, you see, is alive. More alive than you are or I am this morning. Do you get it? More alive than you are or I am this morning. Now, not only do they cheer, but they surround the Hebrew Christians in this text. They're all over the place. They're making a huge noise, a great din, louder than any Saturday afternoon football crowd from whichever team you may support. And since they're not limited any more by time as we are, they cheer us on too, because in eternity, time, of course, is not relevant. So when I was reading this passage in preparation for today, I had to ask myself this question. Which heroes, more recently, have gone before me and are cheering me on in the Christian life, as well as all these biblical heroes. Who are the heroes of faith in my lifetime 
but still part of that great cloud, that growing cloud. Who can you think of this morning? Well, as I thought about it, I could think of my mum, who went to be with the Lord back in 1992, quite a long time ago now. But my mum prayed for me every day since I dropped out of her womb into this world. So I think of my mum, first of all. I then think of Chris, and it was Chris who led me to the Lord over 50 years ago. And right now, he is one of those heroes who is cheering me on. I then think about my auntie, my auntie Martha, and she was a lay preacher in the Methodist church for over 70 years. She is one of the heroes who is now cheering me on, a truly inspirational Christian woman. I think of Austin, one of my friends in Friends International, who went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And then lastly, I think of my best man at my wedding, Sandy, who just one year ago passed away into the Lord's presence. So those are my heroes. So my question to you this morning is this. Who are your heroes here this morning, here today? Who are the heroes of the faith cheering you on as you continue to run the Christian race? Can you picture them in your mind's eye? Can you hear them, as it were, metaphorically cheering you on? By faith, can you see them in the great crowd? Even though in your imagination there may be many faces in a Where's Wally picture. Now, I'm not talking here about some pie-in-the-sky dream, but I'm talking about a living spiritual reality available to all of us as we rehearse this great Bible truth to ourselves, just as it was for those first-century Hebrew Christians. You see, meditating on a truth like this can transform a dull, damp, dank, perhaps, Sunday morning with the weather we've had recently. It could be transforming for us. And as we share together this morning, I hope you too can engage, or maybe perhaps re-engage, with this reality even now. But what do we need to do from our part? Well, the writer tells us to throw off everything which hinders us and sin, I mean anything which entangles us, which actually uh, brings us down in some way. Now, here is a man who you don't know, I think. His name is Joss Naylor. He's a veteran. He's a legendary Lakeland fell runner from Wasdale in the English Lake District, where I come from. And on his 80th birthday, he ran 30 miles to celebrate his 80th birthday. Is there anyone here this morning who's up for that kind of challenge? Now, I only know Joss Naylor by reputation. He doesn't know me. He's probably never even heard of me. But can you imagine this man, Joss Naylor, running up and down the Lakeland Fells in a pair of wellies? It's a joke, isn't it? Or... Can you imagine a boy or a girl running in a cross-country race with an overcoat trailing around their ankles? It's a nonsense, isn't it? 
I could run too when I was younger, perhaps not quite so fast as the guy in the picture. But as a boy, I remember being spotted by a bull in a field near my home because I come from the countryside. I was brought up there. And this animal started taking an interest in me and running towards me. And I remember confusing this animal by running and hiding behind a big tree right in the middle of the field. And don't I thank God for that big tree that was there. And while I faltered, while I hid behind the tree, it faltered, wondering where I'd gone. And then I accelerated, as you might imagine, at supersonic speed towards the nearest fence. Whatever I had on my feet, it wasn't going to stop me running. No. The only time you see that you might enter a race in wellies or a raincoat might be in an egg and spoon race at a school sports day, on a, on a, on a wet school sports day or something like that for parents and kids. So what do I, what do you need to throw off so that we can run faster in the Christian life? And this is a vital question to ponder, isn't it? And a really good one to ponder, actually, at the beginning of a new year. As we get older, you see, our bodies slow down. We have our birthdays, as we've heard this morning, but our bodies slow down. But not in our spirits if we look to Jesus Christ. Let's just have a look at what St. Paul said here when he was speaking in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And ask yourself the question, is this Paul slowing down? I, he says, have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have constantly been on the move. And if you read around those verses, you'll see that this is actually only half the list. What is it then that Paul is throwing off? Any regret? Any sense of looking back? Any kind of feeling of self-pity, as if he didn't have a reason? Any life of ease? Or anything like that? Any sense of being a victim? Perhaps we think he had reason. Being a victim, of course, as we know, is a typical 21st century disease. Rather, listen to what he says. This is what he says in another place in Philippians. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, he says to the church in Philippi, but he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, sometimes people ask me, somebody asked me just in church the other week, when I'm going to retire. When are you going to slow down? When are you going to have a life of ease? And while I understand what they mean, my response is this. Friend, Christians only retire when they stop breathing. That's the only time Christians really retire if we are committed to serving the Lord. 
I was arrested recently by some words that I read in a book by a man called John Piper, perhaps known to you. He's an American Christian, and he wrote this about uh, J. Oswald Sanders. He writes about a life poured out for the gospel without thought of coasting in self-indulgence from 65 to the grave. A life poured out for the gospel without thought of coasting in self-indulgence from 65 to the grave, which typifies, doesn't it, British society of which we are a part. So throwing off is part of what we do. What else is there? Well, we need, says the writer, to fix our eyes on Jesus. When Usain Bolt ran the 100 metres, what did he do? He heard the crowd cheering him on, but his face, as you can see from that picture, was always towards the finishing line. You see, Usain Bolt, or Dina Asher-Smith, give us a physical picture of what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to look at him, to gaze at him, so that we say, let's not take our eyes off him as we run the Christian race. And when we get to that finishing line, wherever and whenever that finishing line is, we won't want to take our eyes off Jesus anyway. We'll be so entranced with him. He's the lover of our soul. He's the altogether lovely one that we've been singing about this morning. He's our saviour, our Lord, our brother. He's our friend. So where are you and I then today? There's Dina. She's in the 200 metres next year. Well, this year now, actually, isn't it? The Tokyo Olympics. Going to go for gold, I think. Hopefully. So where are you and I today? Are we running the Christian race towards Jesus in eternity? Well, if we are, let's make sure at the beginning of 2020 that we are going to keep running, that we're not going to look back. And it is just possible that there is someone here this morning who hasn't yet joined that race. And I would ask you, join it. Don't put it off. Join that race because your destiny depends on it. And just one final thought. As we remember those who are running the race, those of us who are running the race, one day our role will be transferred. We won't be a runner anymore. We will have joined the crowd who are cheering the next generation of runners on. And it's only a matter of time, isn't it, until the runners and the cheerers are reunited and back together again. Let's just bow our heads in prayer.